if you can predict and prevent as opposed to repair and replace, it is so much a better outcome. Hello, Matthew Grant here. Well, whilst we may not be able to easily travel around the world just now, at least in today's interconnected working lives, there's not much stopping us talking to people wherever they are. And of course, with over 50% of our listeners being outside of the UK, there's a good chance that you yourself are listening to us from the Americas, Europe, Australasia or Africa. Bad luck though if you are in South Africa because the government there has banned the sale of alcohol. Craig, I hope you've survived your home-brewed cider. But this week, we are in Bermuda, so to speak, catching up again with Sean Ringstead on a topic that we're following very carefully at Instec London, IoT for insurance. Sean, it's fantastic to get you back on this Instec London podcast. We last had you on episode 35. I'm afraid you're no longer the most popular download, but you're still uh, doing very well. You're at number number two uh, and still getting downloaded. And this is your chance to get back into into number one. But um, as we're talking, you are you are locked down in Bermuda. And, and when we were together uh, about 80 months ago, you, you were very proud of you doing your 10,000 steps a day. Uh, how, how are you coping with being in Bermuda during the lockdown? And in particular, how many times do you get around the island if you've got to do 10,000 steps every day? All right, it's good to, good to talk to you. And uh, yes, we're, we're, we all have uh, our individual experiences in this moment, but I mean, it's remarkable, right? Where it's, it, it unites us all in terms of how we're, how we're getting through it. I, my um, my 10,000 steps, I describe them as, as peaking on a, on a run and then plateauing to zero because most of the time seems to be spent on, on conference calls and uh, in video working. So I, I'm managing to get to the 10,000, but just uh, but just a different, a different way. So you are the chief digital officer of uh, Chubb. You're also the chief risk officer. You report into the CEO of Chubb, M. Greenberg, and you've been with the organization you know, previously known as ACE uh, since 1996. So the background to this is last time we spoke when you were in London uh, a few months ago, we were talking about, or I was asking you about how hard it seems to be for insurers to find real practical situations where they could embed or get access to data coming out of IoT or Internet of Things for their clients. And it was interesting that you at Chubb seems to have found a number of use cases and you seem very positive. You were last time we spoke, but my sense is you've really got some strong examples coming out now and you offered to talk about those. So it'd be really interesting to hear sort of for you what what is currently some of the areas you're seeing the most success in between you and your clients as you as you think about the opportunities from IoT? Well, I think generally, Matthew, we're, we're very, have been very, very upbeat, bullish, long-term in terms of the value that IoT can and will bring uh, to clients in terms of how they manage, manage their exposures and manage their risk. And I, you know, and I say that across the breadth of, of consumer and, and commercial, um, it, it really is, um, I think, uh, going to be game changer. And when you think about how the cost of the devices continue to drop and the connectivity uh, continues continues to improve, those are only going to be 
accelerants to all of that. I think it is hard yards, right? There is there is no um, shortcut to to rolling up sleeves, working with clients, and figuring out how to how to get this um, in, in, into the clients day to day. And the, there's no one single playbook to this, right? You you have to have a a, a range of um, a range of senses, a range of approaches, and, and really customize it. But you know, I just some some examples. You know, we, we're in at a at a major hospital, and you know, already we've we've averted three large water losses um, through through sensors being deployed there, and, and they alert the facility management and our risk engineers, and we fix fix the issues right before there's any damage or mold or plane and you know that's just saving um i mean that's literally saving millions of dollars um to that client and it's not just the dollars right it's the lost time right and damage to equipment and so on you know in another example we're in at a at a college campus and um similar thing right the census there will alert the campus staff and our risk engineers of of issues and you know that if you think about unoccupied building space today, there's real value to that. You know, on the on the consumer side, and you go to some of our uh, high net worth customers, and they've installed sensors in their, you know their, their their wine collections to monitor for changes in, in in temperature, humidity, and vibration. We're starting to see a feedback loop there of of alerts and and issues. Um, and you know, it's starting to sort of broaden out into um, you know sort of more interesting areas. We had uh, think about Inland Marine, um, and we recently had a, a, a truck of computers stolen. Um, but because we had IoT sensors on that truck, we were able to to recover the truck and two million two million dollars in an in inventory. And, and these sensors, you know, they can not only monitor the individual pallet. Um, but if your truck is parked overnight, where it's you know a bit more bit more vulnerable, you can put the sensors around the around the vehicle. I think the wine collection one is a, is an excellent way of getting people's attention, introducing them to the concept of sensors and how they can work. I can see you know, things like smoke alarms people have known about for years, but don't necessarily deploy them. But if you you basically sell them something on the basis it's going to protect their wine collection, I bet you get a lot more engagement on that one. Uh, so there's some really interesting examples there. What, what's typically, or if there is a typical example, or if not, you know, what are the different ways that that discussion starts with your clients? So, for example, a hospital, uh, they had some sensors in place. They're one of your clients. Do you go to them as Chubb and present to them a solution, or is it more common that they would already have gone down that route and and then you know, when they've got the data there, you then start to work with them in terms of better use of what they're seeing from those sensors? So I think you can go down several paths, Matthew. I mean, we we are presenting these options to to our clients. Uh, I think the hospital one, though, is is a very good example of where and how um, the, these programs will be successful. Because we had a very uh, on the on the client side a very proactive and thoughtful risk manager who really saw the value for this. And saw it broader than than saying I can get lower insurance cost. They thought about the the risks that they face and and, and the benefits that this would bring. So yes, um, I can I can drive a, a lower insurance cost, but I can also think about my building maintenance in a different way. 
I can think about my capital expenditure in a different way. And I can also think about my, my workforce um, in, a, in a different way. So rather than having people patrol, keeping an eye out for leaks and, and doing that at, on social hours, far better that I can do it you know, through, through digital means and then direct my human resource, right, in, when the need arises into more value-added type tasks. So that example is going to apply across the, the spectrum here of the, of the use cases. It's, this is really going to take hold um, when, when those who own the assets, right, are, are thinking about the risks that way, we can partner with them, but I don't think insurance alone, right, can drive that discussion. Using that example of the risk manager with the hospital and the partnership. So the, the risk manager is, is a kind of enlightened risk manager would have a contact presumably with his or her broker, uh, you know, would know that Chubb was his insured. Does there, are they then coming to you, either the broker or the risk manager, and uh, asking for some help? Or, or you know, how, how does that discussion evolve once they've, they've, they've seen the benefit, but presumably they see some additional benefit uh, other than monitoring their own systems and, and risks from actually having Chubb involved to the extent that they're either willing to partner with you or I don't know if they explicitly share data with you? You mentioned smoke. But you know, for us, as we as we think about these devices and we think about water, water is a significant peril next to fire. But it's not thought of that way, right? In generally, right? In in the insured context or the broker context, context or the insurer context. But I think there's an increasing awareness, right, that this is a problem, something that needs to be needs to be tackled. It's going to take time, but I think. Um, if you look out in the next two, two or three years, um, water is, is the new fire, right? And it's going to be thought of that way. And so you mentioned smoke alarms, you, know, you think of fire extinguishers, you think of sprinkler systems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think you're going to have that same uh, discipline and rigor around water. And, and for any, any building slash risk manager, um, it's, it's going to be the, the new normal in, in, in three, four years' time that you're going to have these devices that help mitigate the, the damage from, from water, just in the same way that you do with fire. And it's going to be the normal part of discussion with, with a risk manager, with a broker, to, to an underwriter, that everybody's thinking about um, water prevention and that um, you know insurance structures are designed to take that into account. And you can, you can price for it. And I think where it gets really exciting is now you can do that on a on an exposure basis, and that's that's the you know the other angle that that IoT brings, right? That you're not just looking at past data for ten years and trying to to, to extrapolate out, and so now you can get into these areas of exposure based pricing, use based use based pricing to to determine insurance structures and and costs and, and, and better risk management. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But just so talk about escape of water. I'm assuming that a lot of that is escape of water in internally. I mean, I, I personally, from my household insurance, not from Chell, but from one of your competitors, was quoted a price of 30% increase, and they claimed it was because generally escape of water was going up. So is is that as you say that's becoming the new the new fire? Is that because there are just greater losses from water generally, or is there a greater awareness of it, or maybe they're just using it as an excuse to jack up my premium for other reasons 
I'm sure you're a very good client. <laughs> no, I, th I, I think there is real awareness um, or, or there should be awareness in, in the industry, right, about about water water damage and it yes from 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 leaking pipes um you know from faulty maintenance from leaks in the roofs etc water is it's now a major peril and driver of insurance cost um there are two ways you could do it you could as an insurer right you can try and address it through through rate um we also think that you can help prevent the problem um, and it, it just turns it on its head, right? If you, if you can predict and prevent as opposed to repair and replace, it is so much a better, uh, a better outcome, right? So you know, regardless of the premium that you're paying Matthew on your policy there, if you were to have that catastrophic um, water damage in your house, Right, that's it's, it's it's one thing to get the money from the insurer, but I don't know. You've got you've got two months where you've got to get a plumber in, right? You've got to go and get some new carpet, some new furniture, and maybe you've got the prospect of mold, etc. I've got some money, but you know what? I, I've got two or three months of inconvenience on my hand. Much better uh, than that re repair and replace model to go predict and prevent, and and in addition to financial structures, right, uh, uh, you know, address it through, uh, through technology and have something that will either detect the water before it becomes a problem or even prevent it, right, by shutting down, um, you know, your water, your water pressure, right, before it leads to, leads to a loss. And on that predict and prevent one, for, for, for water shutoff valves in particular, when I've seen people talking about this it seems that there's a real challenge sort of retrofitting these to existing buildings you know, through a combination if you've got to tap into old plumbing you've got to get right. electrical source you've got to find right. to do it. so uh, are, you, are you seeing that more when people are actually building new buildings and maybe they've been around for a while in, in commercial structures and then secondly is you know some other insurance companies are is this where you as chub would actually work with your clients to help them either get recommendations or maybe even as some insurers are doing give them a little device that they can put into their home or building to identify the water leakage clearly much easier in a new building structure to think about um these type of devices and to put them in and you know and i think that applies more, more broadly anyway in, in in new building structures today as you think about resiliency and um you know, how to, how to make buildings energy efficient or more uh, resilient to, to climate change, right? This, you know, this is all part of that broader debate, I think, for, for newer buildings. Um, but, you know, your, your range of, uh, as you know, your building space for, for commercial will, will vary from old to new. Um, so the type of solutions that you can put in are going to be different. Um, so I think each one of them is uh, each one of them is a discussion how to how to address that, and that's the same on the on the on the household side as well. And and so with that discussion, just coming back to your your risk manager again, or, or the the homeowner that's buying the insurance. I mean, presumably you have to work quite closely with the, the brokers because they're the brokers are your contact with the insured so do you have to then educate the brokers in that or do you have a team at chubb that actually the brokers can turn to to work directly with the end client 
It varies, right? And it's it, it's a bit of both. At the end of the day, what, what we're doing is you know, having to roll our sleeves up with clients on site um, more, right? So, you know, particularly our risk engineering team working with with clients, right? I think there's um, a need to have that to have that partnership, right? You have to walk the 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 real estate, right? You have to look at the structures, you have to look at where the piping is, you have to to figure out what's the most effective deployment of of sensors. Um, you know, they, they they have cost. You have to integrate them. So you, you need to be thoughtful where and how you place them. It's a more dynamic relationship that way, I think, between insurer and and insured. Said another way, very hard to do this sitting from your desktop, trying to uh, you know push this through through broker. You have to be engaged. You have to be on site and and having that dialogue around this. Yeah, so I guess that brings us around to the situation we're in just now. And you, you mentioned earlier on about unoccupied buildings. Is this early enough to be able to see any themes coming through from I mean, it's risk estate, the obvious, the difference between a building that is is censored and connected versus those that are not? And the ability, I guess, is two things. One is to remotely turn off if it's water or something else that is causing a loss. Or the second one is actually to get out there and do the intervention. But, but it, it, are there some themes coming through that you can see already? I think it's a bit too early um, to, to say there are any, any themes. I think the case was very strong for, for, for IoT providing um, benefit in, you know, what, what we're seeing today in terms of unoccupied space or remote is, is only going to be an accelerant. So we have, we, we do have sensors installed on, on, on college campuses and, you know, we had a, an incident uh, just a couple couple weeks back where our, our sensors picked up a water leak um, and that was uh, on a third floor laundry room in a, in a on-campus apartment, so unoccupied and a, and a water leak. Um, and in that instance, uh, a pipe coupling that uh, feeds, feeds into the washer had broken off and was causing floods. So, Pick that up. So, you know that that's that's one instance um, that that we've seen. I think generally it just it, you know it comes back to what I was saying earlier, right? It just underscores there is a a more a more efficient way and a better way to think about the risk management of a of a building um, through through sensors. And one of the benefits of that is yes, you can you can do remote monitoring. So, Sean, you, you talked earlier on about real-time measurement for exposure management. Uh, there are also people, I think, talking about use of IoT for looking at pricing and other types of, of risk management. But it'd be interesting just to hear specifically what you're seeing in that area of exposure management and anything, you, any opportunity to see out there for your real-time pricing or variable pricing using data coming in from sensors. This will be a progression, a, a journey uh, on the on, on the real time side. Certainly, for risk management purposes, you know, we're we're already there, right? The the those alerts are going to to risk managers, to to our engineers, when when something's happening on the on the premises, and then they can determine, you know, depending on the on the severity, what to what course of action to to take. I think real time pricing is is very much. Um, a goal. Um, it's probably in the future, right? Until this this builds up in terms of the data, and it'll 
will depend upon the the type of exposure and peril that where real time pricing makes makes sense. So I think the next step, it, it, you know, what what I think is on the horizon and in real right as this as this builds up is more of an exposure based view of pricing as opposed to historical loss experience based pricing and you know based on on the senses you can get a much better handle on the footprint of 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 the premises of the building envelope and and determine and set your pricing um in a in a more thoughtful way than perhaps just looking at aggregated historical data would would allow you yeah i guess on that topic i sort of bring this on to wearables and in the sort of retail space, you know, we've seen quite a lot of interest and people offering solutions such as you getting an iPhone and, and tracking what people's health is. You know, if they're doing their 10,000 steps, they get a discount on the insurance. Yeah. I, it, I mean, from a personal point of view, I think that works both ways. I actually did that. I won't mention the company, but it just didn't work. I mean, this between the watch and the iPhone and the company, it didn't, it didn't track the, what I was doing. They started charging me for it when they shouldn't have been charging me for it. Yeah. The whole experience was incredible negative. Now I, I don't think you're getting sort of involved in the, the life side, but it's, it is a reminder of these things don't work well. They can have a, a sort of negative effect rather than a positive effect, but wearables, yeah, presumably with your clients in the commercial space, there are other applications such as workers compensation and things where you see some, uh, benefits from using wearables. I mean, how, what's the sort of state of the art or state of the nation with regards to wearables for, from a commercial insurance perspective? Well, I think you know, for for, for wearables on you know whether it's um, on the on the consumer side or in in the workplace for something like workers workers compensation, um, I think the promise is, is there and and the concepts are there. It's just much harder than um, a building, which is um, easier. Easy to put devices into. So on the, you know, on the workers' comp side, you've you, you've got, you know, I think I've seen challenges with the cost of the device, the comfort level, and then you know how employees are, are thinking about wearing these wearing these devices. So I think it's been, I think it's been slower there. Sean, what about lessons from the developing world and developing economies? I mean, we've seen for a number of years now some solutions at very low cost in microinsurance and other areas using low-cost sensors, quite efficient ways of recording uh, losses and actually paying claims. Uh, are you learning anything that, from that in terms of both the sort of ways to collect information, but also the ability to make these sensors very cheap and, and very robust so they can survive in hostile environments? So I think it's early days, Matthew. I mean, as you, as you rightly, rightly point out, right? I mean, the cost of the devices are, are coming down. Um, you know they've they've skipped sort of generation of technology with with five G. So you've got this massive um, connectivity. You've got cost effectiveness, and you've got and you've got robustness. Um, and and so you, you you think whether from you know from crop to you know parcel tracking to you know consumer you know the, the sort of health healthcare right that the, there is going to be there's going to be applicability here. So I, I think we're very um, excited about, about the potential too early to see where and how that'll translate into sort of permanent um, services and, and, and insurance products. Are you able to talk about any of the organizations you're actually partnering with? I mean, IoT gets a lot of coverage 
in early stage companies, scale ups in sure tech these days. I mean, I do worry sometimes that we're all going to be, and you know, the biggest success story of the last five years in insure tech is going to be pet insurance. I don't know if Chubb is doing wearables for pets, but uh, any, any, uh, if you are, we'd love to hear about it. Well, that's how I get my 10,000 steps, Matthew. I put my watch on the dog. <laughs> that's what I was doing wrong with my one. We're very open-minded. Um, there's plenty of opportunity there, you know, and if you, if you're bringing something to the table, right, that is, you know, now our, our view has gotten the, is the ability to, to scale and it's, and it's practical and it's got an application and a use. <laughs> We're interested. <laughs> does, does Chubb do anything on pets? Not yet. Not, not, not on wearables. <laughs> High net worth pets. I think that could be a market for you. <laughs> Good. Well, then finally, uh, there's a question that I think everybody asks in this area. What's the state of the sort of world with security now? All this information is being transmitted, a lot of, being, a lot of it being transmitted wirelessly. Is it, is it pretty robust? You know, this is the sort of the last mile, right? And this, this topic of, of security, of privacy, of interoperability, right, between sensors and building management systems, all, all of these things have to be, have to be overcome. We spend a lot of time on on the security. We're deploying sensors that meet our security protocols and and standards, but there's a lot of work to that. Um, and you think about data privacy, um, you know, particularly safety, GDPR, uh, you know, as an example, um, and and where data is stored and how that data is is used. Um, and just getting devices to talk to each other, right? And getting that, that data to flow. Um, so I think there is a lot of work that, that still needs to be done to over, overcome those barriers. So it's, it's a real problem. It can be overcome, but you know, the, the more that can be done uh, to, to improve data standards and how, how data is used and the security of these devices, that'll, that'll only benefit the adoption so sean you've obviously done a lot of research in in this area you've got clients that are i know talking to you about it but you know just generally for people who want to learn a little bit more about what is happening in the area of iot uh, whether just generally or related to insurance are there any recommendations you'd make for sources to go to 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 learn well, I think Matthew, it's such a it's such a big topic. It's so broad um, in in terms of what we what we mean by IoT, and it's got different. You know, you can take different slices to it in terms of whether it's consumer or commercial, whether you're interested in the technology or that you're interested in the the security or or how it might be might be used. Um, I've I found the most benefit by just going out and uh, and talking to people you know whether it's our clients uh, risk managers to to risk engineers spending time with the technology folks to understand the security or or uh, underwriting um, teams to see where and how we can we, we can get this um, into the underwriting process so uh, there's plenty out there so I think you know I, I would encourage anyone with a curiosity in this to to get out there and 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 find out a, a little bit bit more, it's it's going to be tremendously um, exciting, um, I think, for for the industry with with real applicability. So we need we need people who are curious that way to go and uh, help help make this happen. Good. Maybe maybe virtually get out there for the next few weeks. Uh, well, that's right. 
And so, Sean, thanks for all that. Thanks for sharing a lot there and for taking some time out. I will let, let you get back to your uh, the start of your day. I know it's early in the morning still there in Benito. Always good to chat and, and take care and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you soon when we're, when we're allowed to. <laughs> look forward to it. Thanks. All right. So IoT is one of the areas we're looking at more deeply in Instech London. We're also running this week a live chat event talking to Shepherd, 360 Global Net and Howden about some of the applications they're working on for remote monitoring of property. And we're going to be posting more articles on this topic. We're also going to be looking at some of the other companies we like in this space. So look out for those on the website. And if you yourselves are involved in IoTs, and please do let us know. And of course, as always, you can keep up to date with what's going on, who we're talking to and what we're thinking in our weekly newsletter. Sign up on the website at www.instec.london. Uh, thank you also for all the great feedback on the podcast for getting. If you would like to make any specific comments, you can do so directly on my LinkedIn post, Matthew Grant, or follow the link in the episode note. And of course, we very much appreciate your ratings and if you mention us to others. Finally, Chubb is one of our many corporate members at Instec London. Details of what we offer to our corporate members and what benefits you can get out of Instec London are also available on the website or just drop us an email directly at hello at Instec London. Until next week.